Good morning. It's a privilege to be here this morning and to share, to share from God's word. Thank you, Reverend Moses, for the opportunity to, to preach again. I don't, I don't take opportunities to preach lightly or for granted, but it's a privilege. And I, I thank you for being able to share. And as, as Reverend said, we are not leaving today. It will be middle of October when we actually are leaving, but so you'll still see us a bit. And we just thank God for, for God's goodness to us in so many ways and for your goodness to us. Let me pray. Thank you, Father, for the morning. Thank you we can gather to worship you. Thank you for your people. And I pray this morning as we look at your word that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. My topic today is ministry through prayer. How do you do ministry through prayer? Well, it's quite simple. By praying for others. By praying for others. By interceding for others. A ministry of intercession. So how important is intercession. How important is it for the church? How important is it for the nation? And to answer that question, we are going to study Ezekiel chapter 22 to see the situation that God describes through Ezekiel concerning the nation of Israel, God's special people. What was happening in Israel? And then at the end of that chapter, God makes a statement about intercession, showing its importance. So when God brought the Hebrew people out of Egypt under Moses, God began to establish the nation of Israel. God's special people, a holy nation, a nation that he wanted to use to bring all peoples to himself. First, he gave them the law to teach them about holiness. And then he gave them the land through Joshua's leadership. Then came the judges and the kings of Saul and, and David and Solomon. And because of the sin of Solomon, the nation was broken in two, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. All the northern kingdoms were evil. They worshiped idols of Baal and Asherah, and they led the people away from God. And when they ignored the warning of the prophets, of Elijah and Elisha and so many others, when they refused to repent, finally God did what he said he would do, he brought judgments. He used the Assyrians to bring judgments, to destroy the nation, to carry them away into captivity. And so the northern kingdom ceased to exist forever. The southern kingdom had some godly kings, and, and they too, though, began to slip more and more into sin. And God also used the prophets to warn them of judgment if they didn't repent. But finally, God 
brought the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar to discipline them. Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem. But at first, he just took some of them into captivity. That's when Daniel and his friends were taken to Babylon. And then a few years later, he comes back and takes more into captivity. At this time, Ezekiel is taken in captivity to Babylon. But still, Israel refused to repent. And so, the prophet Ezekiel in Babylon speaks God's word about Judah and Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And in chapter 22, we see God telling what is going on in the nation. As you, as you read through that passage, you see a horrible situation. God says there's sexual sin going on. There's corruption. There are bribes. There's murder. There's abuse. They oppress the helpless, the, the weak, the orphans and the widows. There's idol worship going on. There's extortion. There's greed, unjust gain. There's coveting. If you covet, then you are willing to do whatever it is to get what you want. Murder, cheat, steal to get what you want. And God says everyone's involved. From the king and the princes all the way down to the common people, everyone is involved in this sin. And God says, worst of all, the very people who are supposed to be fighting for me, for holiness, they are involved as well. My priests, my priests are abusing people. My priests are even murdering. And my prophets, my prophets protect the priests by lying prophecies. In verse 28, he says about the prophets, they say, this is what the sovereign Lord says when the Lord has not spoken. Israel, God says, has become dross to me. Worthless rubbish in metal. There are impurities. And the way to get the impurities out is to melt it. And those impurities are called dross. And so God says to Israel, you are supposed to be my holy people. But because of your sin, you have become dross, rubbish. So now I am going to purify you with fire. I'm going to discipline you. So throughout the chapter, God describes this terrible sin in the nation a terrible situation and then after describing the terrible situation he comes to the end of the chapter and God says this in verse 30 I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land, so that I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. After describing all of this sin, after describing the terrible situation in the nation, to top it all off, there was no one to pray 
for this nation. No one willing to intercede for the nation. No intercessor to stand between them and God and pray for their repentance. No one to plead and beg for them to be given more time to repent. No one to plead for God to be patient. No one who cared. God said, I looked for someone but could not find anyone to stand before me on behalf of the land so that I would not destroy it. So now the time of judgment has come. Verse 31, so I will pour out my wrath on them and consume them with my fiery anger bringing down on their heads all they have done, declares the sovereign Lord. Shortly after Ezekiel spoke these words, Israel rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar again, and he came back with his old army. And this time he did not just take away a few of them into captivity. This time he destroyed Jerusalem and Judah completely. It says that there weren't two stones on top of each other. So completely did he destroy Jerusalem and the temple. And those he did not kill, he carried off into captivity. Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, ceased to exist because of the unrepentant sin of the people and because there is no one to intercede for them. No one to pray. No one who cared. No intercession. Is the ministry of intercession important? We better believe that it is. No one could be found to stand in the gap and intercede for Israel. Will God find people to stand in the gap and intercede for Ghana? This morning I want to give four things that are needed for people to stand in the gap for Ghana. Number one, we need people who see the need to stand in the gap, who see the need to intercede. Intercession involves standing in the gap, an intervention, a stepping in on someone else's behalf through prayer to help them. Often to help people who in their spiritual blindness don't even know that they need help. It's hard to pray for people who don't even know they need help. And why should we intercede? Because we love them, because we care about them, and because we understand the judgment that they are about to face. Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah because he cared about them and because he understood the judgment they were about to face. 
If we don't intercede, it means that we are not concerned, not interested, apathetic. Oh, it's not my problem. There's nothing I can do, so why try? Sometimes we don't pray for others because of selfishness. We're simply too busy praying for ourselves to pray for others. Sometimes when we come to prayer meetings, it's, it's bring your needs. Come with your needs. Come to pray for your needs. Come to have your needs prayed for. Prayer is about me. Prayer is about my needs. The world may be going to hell, but we are busy praying for our own needs. Now, obviously, we must pray for our own needs and the needs of others in the church. But when the reason for coming to prayer meeting is bring your needs, then where will the focus of that prayer meeting be? It will be on my needs, on me. God, take care of me. You see, if we pray about anything else, it's tacked on the end as a second thought. If prayer meeting is all about my needs, then in such a prayer meeting, God will have a hard time finding anyone to stand in the gap for the nation. What makes us pray selfishly? Well, sin. Our human natures. Praying for ourselves and forgetting others is just normal for sinful people. You and I need to understand that there are many whom God needs us to pray for. People who need someone to care about them because they are rushing towards judgment and don't even know it. Sometimes we don't pray because we don't really see prayer as being the solution to the particular problem that we are facing. Why is the world going to hell? Why are things getting worse in our world? Why is there so much suffering? Why is there more immorality and more sin? We look at problems in the nation often and, and we look to solutions from the governments, to politicians, to courts, to laws, or to protesting to change things. But all those things are our effort. We believe we're doing something when we're doing those things. But those things are not God's solution to our world. We need to realize that prayer and intercession is God's answer for the nation and for sin. God will change the world through lives changed by the gospel. Lives changed one by one by one. And the world will be changed if we would put as much effort into intercession and evangelism and discipleship as we put into worry and complaining and our own efforts.
God needs people to stand in the gap who understand the power of prayer and understand the judgment that is coming and understand the need to intercede for the lost and hurting world around us. Secondly, intercession is something that needs to involve every Christian. What if I told you that there is a ministry that every single Christian can and should be involved in? Every believer, regardless of age, health, ability, finances, gifts, and talents can be involved in. A ministry through intercession is ministry every believer can do. You don't need physical health to do it. You don't need strength to do it. You don't need to leave your house to do it. You don't need money to do it. You don't need gifting to do it. You can do it where you are as you are. But what you do need is love. What you do need is compassion. What you do need is awareness of lostness and judgments. What you do need is a deep conviction about the power and importance of prayer. What you do need is a concern for others and not just yourself. And then number three, standing in the gap involves sacrifice. Sacrifice. What does serious intercession look like? Sacrificing yourself for those you are praying for. After the sin of the Israelite people with the golden calf, this is what Moses said to God in Exodus chapter 32, 31, and 32. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, this people has committed a great sin, and they have made a god of gold for themselves. But now, if you will, forgive them. And if not, please blot me out from the book which you have written. Moses prayed, God, please forgive them. But if you'll not forgive them, then may I suffer the same punishment that they will receive. Moses stood in the gap for Israel. He cared about them so much, he was willing to suffer for them. Sounds kind of like Jesus, don't you think? Intercession requires sacrifice. Do we love people enough? Are we concerned about people enough that we are willing to pray until it hurts? That we're willing to beg God and weep over them? Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. Nehemiah says, when I heard these words, I wept down, I, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. 
And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who perseveres the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am now praying to you day and night. On behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you, I and my father's house have sinned. And finally, number four, standing in the gap requires repentance. Repentance. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, God said, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and heal their land. The church in Ghana does not need more blessings. Does it need more prophetic declarations? Does it need more miracles or signs and wonders? What the church in Ghana needs is repentance. What the church in the United States needs is repentance. What the church in England and China and every country in the world needs is Repentance. And repentance in the nation starts in the church. The church can't minister to the world without first repentance. The church won't intercede for the world unless first there is a brokenness and there's a humility and there's a seeking of God. There's repentance. But when there is repentance in the church and God forgives, then God can use the church to bring repentance and healing in the land. The church is a reflection of the land. May repentance start with me. May repentance start with you. Ministry through prayer. Intercession for a lost and hurting world. With Israel, with Jerusalem, we see what happens when no one intercedes. When no one stands in the gap. May that not be us. As we go to the U.S., we will continue to pray for you and for Ghana, for revival in the church, for repentance in the church, so that God can use the church to bring all the peoples of Ghana to Christ, so that God can use the church to bring healing to the land. And I would ask that you pray the same for us in the U.S. Like Israel, the church God's people 
is sick. Our countries are sick with sin. We all need to pray seriously, sacrificially for repentance, for healing. Who will beg for Ghana? Who will plead for the nations? Will God find you standing in the gap? Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that you're a gracious God, a God who is patient with us. But Father God, we know your patience will come to an end. And Father God, I pray that you would help us to be a people, a holy people, who could be used by you to bring healing in the land, to change Ghana, to change the world through your power, the power of the gospel of people being saved. And Father God, I pray that you would help each one of us to bring us to our knees in repentance, to our knees in conviction, to our knees in intercession for a lost and hurting world around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.